Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. T minus one minute and counting. Major, she's all yours. Mission Control, this is Jupiter-1. The Robinsons are all tucked in. We are ready to fly. The time has come. Danger, Robinson! Danger! You did this! Hello and welcome to the Patreon Zone. Hey, should we, we should call it that from now on, eh? Yeah, it's uh, difficult to argue with such a immediately on-the-nose and creative name, Tim. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Guy and I are communicating through what might be the single laggiest connection we've ever had. So uh, enjoy the choppiness. It seems like a great metaphor for the film we just watched, which was painful, stupid, and you just wonder how they didn't do a better job of it. Similar to uh, Skype's current handling of our communications. Well, in Skype's defense, we're actually using Zuckerberg's uh, Messenger uh, application, or well, I am for for comms, but I agree, Tim. It's a disaster. As was the 1998 American sci-fi adventure film, uh, Lost in Space. Lost in just Space. Weighed in at uh, two hours. I think it had an eight-minute credit sequence. God knows what was happening during <laughs> that. I could not wait to shut the thing down. Um. <laughs> But, I mean, also, you know, try and enjoy... Yeah, and not just enjoy the lag. Uh, I say to you, Tim, let's try and enjoy the lag. This could be a new frontier for the ways in which we record and communicate with one another. We'll have to be patient listeners. We could try uh, the Telegram style of uh, saying <laughs> stop at the end of every sentence. Stop. I really like that. Stop. Well, uh Let's go for I, I can't imagine it's going to work well in comedy riffs, but we'll give it a go, eh? Stop. Sounds like a good plan to me. So this was a film brought to us by uh, Akiva Goldsmith, the pen of that genius, who may ring a bell, that name, for you. Sure did for me. For It was his great mind that also brought us another Patreon Zone experience known as Batman and Robin Stop. Yeah, his... Uh I, what I quite like just quickly as an insert uh, is the sort of tit-for-tat nature that our communication will take as we pretty much go <laughs> sentence for sentence in building this thing from the ground up. <laughs> Close sidebar. Uh, he's got a heck of a... Akiva Goldsman's got a... He's got a heck of a f- filmography in various roles as writer, uh, writer-producer, occasionally director I see here. But yet, not only did he give us uh, Batman and Robin... It says here he also wrote Cinderella Man. A film. Did he win an Oscar for that? Stop. I couldn't tell you. I'm not quite sure what um, Cinderella Man is. However, I did see on his IMDb briefly before my computer crashed that he was also responsible for, uh, I think, writing A Beautiful Mind of all movies. That was lauded. Stop. Yeah. 
Uh, both both critically lauded movies. Be- a Beautiful Mind. Uh, maybe that could be Akiva Goldsman himself, a semi-autobiographical tale of a man who has a yearning and a burning to create content, specifically film scripts, and no gauge or sort of uh, critical control or idea of whether or not what he's creating is any good or not. Because what we just watched was miles away from prestige. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I w- would have called it a starring vehicle for Matt LeBlanc, who was at the peak of his fame during Friends at the time it was filmed. Uh, but the surrounding cast are also remarkably famous. I mean, I guess this was just going to be a large-scale space film. But the thing is, it's hard to tell if it's meant to be... A co- a, 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 it straddles the line so carefully between comedy and action film or sci-fi action film that it kind of lands in neither area. It's, it's, it's not serious yes. or silly. It's just sort of... It's absent of uh, an identity. Stop. Which is, in a lot of ways, my least favourite genre because I love a good sci-fi... But boy, when you sort of grab little bits of sci-fi, but you know, ignore the rules, it's like fuck you, man. Plus, this movie had a robot in it, in a in a lead role, which you would have thought for me would be two thumbs up instantly. However, they still fucked that up because it was like one of those bullshit versions of a poorly written puppet robot. So. Really, my fury just built and built uh, with the film from the outset. But as you mentioned, Guy, a cavalcade of uh, starring men and women from, um, I mean, from huge franchises of the day. Party of Five's Claudia uh, takes a central role in this film as well. Heather Graham is in here. Um, I think your name, uh, Penny, is Lacey something. Do you know her name? Stop. Lacey Chabot. Yes, I do know her name. She was also in Mean Girls and most famously to me, the voice of Eliza Thornberry in The Wild Thornberries. Uh, To pick up the mantle of listing famous people involved in the vehicle, William Hurt, who I'm not entirely sure what he's famous from, but I know for sure that guy's famous. Uh, And then obviously Matt LeBlanc. Gary Oldman plays the villain. Quite a young and foxy Gary Oldman to his credit. Uh, And I'm also surprised, I'm not surprised, but like this is based on a... 1960s uh, American television show, which I'd actually quite like to check out because I feel like that would have a real good sense of campy fun, which is something that this is sorely lacking. Stop. It's interesting that you've never seen it. I've actually watched a bit of the original 1960s show. It ran as reruns uh, when I was a kid because New Zealand was approximately sort of anywhere between three and seven decades behind getting American culture and distributing it amongst our uh, sheep wranglers. And so I would catch a whiff of that 1960s show, which was just bustling onto our screens. And more recently, I actually consumed the entirety of the Netflix reboot um, because I was just in the mood for something a little bit frivolous. And I ended up sort of sitting down and watching the whole thing over the course of about a week. And it was, it was sort of fine. Um, but to, to get back to this movie, I mean, I'll say two things before I hand back to you, Guy. The first, Gary Oldman can do no wrong. Even in this poorly written role, he shines. He shines above the script and this very, very poor movie. The second thing I'll mention is, this film didn't come out that long ago. 20 years, 1998. Holy shit, our hero is a complete sex pest. Stop. Yeah, uh... Matt LeBlanc is sort of playing a charmless version of Joey, almost uh, like a, an extension of his character, oh, the doctor he plays in Days of Our Lives. I can't remember his name uh, while he's actually on Friends. But yeah, all he does, he re- like aside from being, I think, a semi-competent pilot, uh, is hit on Heather Graham, who uh, in a sort of sharp twist and certainly played played up for laughs in the script here is revealed to be the daughter of the two uh, head professors on the mission, uh, Professor John Robinson and Professor Maureen Robinson. And at that reveal, I could not help but dig into uh, the respective ages of Heather Graham and the woman playing her mother, Mimi Rogers. Uh, and for this film to hold true... Mimi Rogers' character, Professor Maureen Robinson, would have had to be pregnant with their eldest daughter, Heather Graham, at the ripe old age of 14. <laughs> oh, my God. That's no good. And Stop. this is the... Yeah, thank you, Guy. I was, I was waiting on that. 
The thing about Heather Graham is that she consistently looks uh, sort of about 10 years younger than she is at all times. But even so, it was it was weird that you bring this up because it was a thought that occurred to me while I was watching this. I was like, man, this whole Hollywood machine, eh? You had to trap women in formaldehyde when they turned 17 and three quarters years, years old, you know, inject uh, bull semen into their face, as I'm led to believe the medical procedure is. But the dudes, they, they just get sort of older and apparently that's fine. Tell you what, nothing changes in the year 2056, which uh, I believe is when this is set. And uh, on that note as well, there's a very confusing reference to Looney Tunes, um, which feels out of date now. Like, I know that this was coming out for a 1998 audience, but come on, guys, commit to the conceit here. We're we're in 2056. No one knows what the fuck you're talking about with your your Bugs Bunny and your your Porky Pig. Stop. Yeah, I... Uh, I mean, I love Looney Tunes, so I, I'm not going to begrudge any film, you know, especially one uh, as frustrating as this, any opportunity to give me a glimpse into a, a different, perhaps more playful world. Uh, and as another quick aside, uh, Heather Graham and Mimi Rogers would go on to, well, not quite co-star, but they were they were part of the, uh, the same film franchise uh, around the same time that this was made, Tim, in the late 90s. It was a comedy film franchise, uh, and it, it 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 had three films, and I just wonder if you can guess what that was. Uh, Austin Powers. Yes. You do you remember Mim- more- Mimi Rogers as uh, Ms. Ms. Yeah. Or Mrs. Kensington? Mrs. Kensington. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> She's a um. Oh God, sorry, my whole microphone setup just bloody toppled, toppled over on top of me, and it's rather heavy. Um, <laughs> I've got a little jerry-rigged up system, as, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, yeah, fuck yeah, I remember that. I, th- I think I've uh, said this in a previous podcast, but Austin Powers was the first ever film, uh, one of the only ones that I've learnt. Like I learnt the whole kind of script verbatim when I was a child. I saw it so many times. I can respect that. Uh, just to say we should reinstate the stop method as I think it was working quite well for us. Uh, no, fuck, fuck the stop method. The safety net's gone now, mate. We're taking it away. Oh, my God. A couple of lads on the loose. Well, yeah, I mean, where, where were we? You were sort of, you, you shared a, a powerful diatribe against the Hollywood star system, specifically as it pertains to women. And I couldn't agree more. Mm. You also said Gary Oldman can do no wrong. Certainly on screen as Dr. Zachary Smith... Uh, well, I and I, I was because it took me a while to identify him as Gary Oldman. He is, he looks young here. Maybe he aged late, but uh, the man's a chameleon guy. That's what you've got to understand about him. And he's played a lot of uh, sort of older states statesmanly men. But you know, this movie did come out twenty years ago as well. Have you seen Matt LeBlanc recently? He doesn't look like this anymore. No, he's got all silver hair and he hosts Top Gear in the UK. I was just going to say Gary Not Oldman anymore. can do wrong. Did he? Yeah, he announced that he's off. Oh, shit. I mean, why the fuck would you do anything if you were on Friends for 10 years? Just take the next, I don't know, 40, 50 years off? I don't see this... Totally. I don't know why everyone feels a pressure to stay famous. I guess it's like a drug. But like if... if I don't know. You know, why star in shitters? You never know it's going to be a shitter, but I wouldn't do it. I think Top Gear is a pretty roundly respected show guy. I don't think most people call it a shitter. I'm not talking about Top Gear specifically. I'm just talking about if you look at the body of work that the actors from Friends have put out since the sitcom finished, I think only maybe Lisa Kudrow is coming out uh, covered in glory. I think people like to work, you know, and you can't always get a dream project every time. You've got to take your chances. You never know what the next Titanic is going to be. Imagine if Titanic was a flop. They just put all that time and money into it and then it came out and everyone was like, this sucks. I can immediately imagine from the outset. The title of uh, one of the film reviews uh, or certainly an article rounding up its abysmal failure at the box office and its its critically panned reception. It would read as follows. A Titanic flop. Great stuff. You you really should be getting into the professional realm of reviewing films at this point, I think, Guy. Did you see that coming, Tim? 
Yeah, I did a little. Oh, well, I was actually, I was interested to see where you went with that because you're a creative guy and I was like, oh, what's it going to be? How's he going to fit Iceberg into the title? No, no, he's, he's going to go for the first thought and just commit to that. Good stuff. That's what I like about you. You're brave. Um, so back to 1998's Lost in Space. Uh, I have a confession to make. I have seen this film before when I was a, a youngin' and uh, off the strength of seeing it on the big screen, I actually owned the original motion picture soundtrack featuring uh, an original theme by Apollo 440, which you treated to as the first track on the end credits, and a really great and oft-forgotten Fatboy Slim song, uh, which is called, from memory, Everybody Needs a 303. Bloody good stuff. A good album. Uh, Propellerheads is also on there, which is a, a late 90s, early 2000s electronic rock duo who have been lost to the sands of time. Most famously created the... Uh, opening theme song with Dame Shirley Bassey for uh, the Graham Norton show. It's all good. It's a good int- album, guy. Yeah, yeah, it's all good intel. I mean, you you are someone who can always separate the music from the movie. You listen to scores, so I wonder then if you uh, enjoyed the film or just you you identify with whatever the sort of slightly uh, you know the the sign the scientific and fictitious soundtrack was. I actually, funnily enough, before I uh, watched this, had lunch with. Nish Kumar, who recounted uh, going to the cinema to see this movie also, and it standing out as being, because, uh, you know, whatever the age, when you when this was, like 10 probably, or for you guys, maybe 11 or 12, it's the first time you're really developing critical faculty, and so you, not everything is pleasing anymore, and some films are start to sort of rear their ugly head as being bad or maybe not enjoyable. And he said this one stood out to him as a, a, a sort of a turning of the worm, with regards to recognizing something <laughs> that's not good. And that was uh, as that's I fantastic. sort of pedaled my bike back over the Williamsburg Bridge, you know, in a real huff to try and make the screening time uh, on time. Having that thought uh, bouncing around my head did not bode well for the following two hours, and rightly so. I'll bet. I, so we probably should have done this at the start. My context for the heading into this was I thought we were kicking off the watch at 9am, which is gentlemen's hours, and uh, I was rudely awoken by my cell phone uh, beeping at five minutes to eight saying sort of impending watch or words to that effect. And uh, it was all it was all systems go. And I quickly messaged you and I said, are we doing this now? And then didn't hear any reply for 10 minutes, but I kicked off the movie anyway. And, uh, and then you said, yes, we're, we're in it. So this is uh, once again been a dawn service for Timbo. <laughs> the first stimuli that I experience in my waking hours of the day. And it's a rude awakening, that's for sure. We I should lo- probably get into what's wrong with this film. I love that um, you, you thought to yourself that it was at nine o'clock, but previous you had uh, correctly registered the time and planned accordingly. With uh, it's the beauty of Timbo, yeah. he, he knows his limitations, but they are, you know, they are many and voluminous. Oh, fuck! You don't get a lot of voluminous. There was a tautology. They are voluminous and heavy. Um. Well, it, either way, a pleasure to see you uh, take the covers off Illuminous and fucking take it for a spin around the block because it's a, a heck of a word. What is wrong with this film is a, is a fantastic question, one well posed by my colleague Tim Bat. Uh, namely, it is sort of um, the first two characters you see. I don't know who the guy who's flying with, uh, with, with Matt LeBlanc's character is, but he insists... I couldn't tell if they were goodies or baddies because he insisted on speaking in a voice... Which sort of was like, okay, <laughs> we're going to shoot these guns yeah. now. And I was like, are you, <laughs> what is this decision? And how is everyone on set okay with you committing to it? And he dropped out of it once briefly, I think, which let you, it, which is the worst possible thing because then you know it's not his real voice. Because I gave him the benefit of the doubt eventually because he committed so hard to this goofy voice he was putting on. I was like, okay, I, I guess he's got a strange speaking voice, but it's a bit of a character trait. And then he sort of drops back into a more neutral tone. You're like, oh, come on, guys. What the fuck? Are, what are we all doing here? What are we all doing here? We hired so many people to put this thing together. What's he up to? Can we get a director in here to tell him to just chill the fuck out? Absolutely. Because the other thing you, you, you risk and what they did is uh, confusing the heck out of the punters. Uh, mm. so, and then it just gets you, it gets you off on a... a you know, it's like uh, 
No, I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but it's like meeting someone for the first time and they 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 give they do a weird handshake or something, or they do a joke that doesn't quite fly, <laughs> and you're like, oh, did you have to start like that? Because now I'm going to be on edge around you <laughs> for the next two hours. Uh, but and then from there, it sort of just immediately launches into the oh, I tell you, there was a fun little visual trick at the start of the movie, uh, and it What's got that? a few laughs from Monty, which is when uh, the Mimi Rogers character. Uh, Maureen is on the phone to like in fact for it hey can I make a recommendation henceforth the characters are Claudia Mrs. Kensington and Joey okay and Uh, and Commissioner Gordon because that was that's Gary Oldman who who was Dr. Smith I'll do my best so Claudia's on the phone to uh, someone who we don't know well enough to have an alternative sitcom Actually, mm. maybe one of the stars of the original TV show because there were cameos abound apparently, but I don't recognise anyone. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and uh, she's on like some sort of holographic call and her son, who's very intelligent and loves uh, goofing around with technology, is hiding in behind some sort of slatted door in a cupboard uh, and he's changing the body that's rendered beneath the holo- a hologram head. And so while mm. she's on a, a phone call to a, a sort of a work superior, presumably, you know, she's presented as uh, a, a muscle-bound soldier carrying a big machete, uh, a sexy lady, uh, you know, with a, a sort of cartoonishly... And a bikini. Yeah, cartoonishly sexy body in a bikini. And then uh, a, a Donkey Kong-style ape also wearing the same bikini. And that was the topper that really pushed me over the edge and elicited one of the few audible laughs or noises as I watched this film. <laughs> it was a good visual gag. Did you not pay any attention to the conversation that was happening in that? That was Will's teacher. Ah, I did not. I was so taken was I she, by the, the visual gag. She was upset because she was ringing Maureen and I would be, I'll bet dollars to donuts that that is the original Maureen Robinson from the 1960s show, uh, who I assume I need to say RIP now, referencing yeah. her. Anyway, um, she was either the teacher or the headmistress of the school explaining that Will had been redirecting the entire, entire power grid from the school's electrical system uh, to his experiments because he's, he's trying to build a time machine. And I love how everyone brushes off Will trying to make a time machine. It's acknowledged that he's a very smart boy. He makes a lot of things, makes a lot of gadgets. Everyone sort of respects his intellect. But as soon as he start, starts talking about time travel and how he's sort of semi-attempting it, everyone kind of just, ah, well, you don't know what you're going on about. It's like, maybe we should hear him out for, you know, two sentences about his time travel machine. What? This seems big. That's right. And for anyone brave enough to stick around for the full two hours, or I guess hour and 30, 45 minute mark, uh, you would see why. Because... Huge God, payoff. God Huge. darn it. The kid figures out. Also, quick uh, correction and shout out to June Lockhart, who played the original Maureen. Still kicking around at 92. Uh, God bless. Love out. that. you got to love that. Also, she played the mother role on Lassie, uh, which is a good bit of fun. <laughs> I guess that's the, that's the cameo. Lassie. Everyone was like, oh, it's the mum from Lassie <laughs> talking to the mum of the reboot of Lost in Space. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Yeah, that would have really. This was three years before nine eleven, guy. This was a different time. No Patriot Act. It was everyone was just going hell for leather out there. Yeah, it was certainly a a simpler time. I guess the internet didn't present as much information to us, so a lot more people could live in uh, that ignorance is bliss state. Totally. As advertised by an old proverb. So after that phone call, anyway, we discover the ozone layer has gone to shit. Within 20 years, mm. Earth will be uninhabitable. This leaves the family, the Swiss family, Robinson, although they are played by Americans, uh, to travel to outer space uh, to colonize some sort of planet which will eventually be inhabitable, is the presumption. Uh, of course, Lacey Chabot, or Eliza Thornberry, as we will call her, uh, is frustrated as a young, uh, cast as a, a young teenage woman, uh, in the she's late nineties, she's yeah, she's, she's horned ho- up in the extreme. She is horned up in the extreme, uh, and th- they do a fantastic job of communicating that to the audience by taking a hammer and smashing us over the head with it. Uh, and so, do you, know, do you know what I respected though? The fact that Eliza Thornberry's uh, approach to documenting herself really there's a real template for vlogging. 
what oh. she's doing there, the whole selfie cam approach, I was like, this is this is genuinely ahead of its time. I nailed thought, it. I thought that too. I, I really did. Uh, and it, I, I found it immensely satisfying. That was actually, that paired, because that happens very soon after the visual gags. So yeah. uh, obviously I'm off balance at the start with the voice. And then there were two beats yep. where I was like, okay, here we go. And after that, I sort of thought, well, we could, you know, this could be okay. Uh, yeah. And so it's pretty much just the family and if the the essential spare part to uh, to go on this mission to colonize a new planet. Funnily enough, also, uh, what's the word? Presciently, uh, they're, mm. they're called the Space Force. Oh, true. <laughs> Good point. That is prescient. Um, we won't we won't get into that. It's too topical. Uh, we don't like to to hit the real topical stuff. It dates the podcast. But yes, Space Force. That is uh, once again ahead of its time. The whole setup, the backdrop <laughs> like for the this idea, entire. I like the idea that we don't want to date the podcast because this this will be this particular recording will go. This under, is on a gold. Yeah, yeah. This will this be filed under one day. very important in the important in the history of humanity. Sorry to interrupt your thought. Yeah, as you were. Is, not at all. Um, uh, fuck, what was I saying? Oh, it wasn't important. I can't remember. Uh, it's gone see, that's now. why I'm sorry to interrupt the <laughs> thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, sorry the backdrop for this whole thing is that so earth's environment is shitting itself 40 percent of ozone remains there's only 20 years of habitable life left on the planet and there's two sects so there's one sort of organized sort of approved good guys which is the space force and then there is a sect of terrorists who um fuck what were they called the sedition I think they're just called the Sedition, and they're only referenced at the start, but they are trying to get to Alpha Prime, which is the habitable planet, which is, you know, light years away, um, before the Robinsons, to kind of take it over for their own whims. But I kind of was into this idea of a dystopian future where this terrorist organization was, like, just as scientifically advanced and kitted up as a fully serviced, like, government-approved, UN-backed global project. Yeah. That there's just this, like, ragtag bunch of cowboys who are like, yeah, we'll fucking race you. I love that. I I, I, I agree as well. I mean, uh, from from what I gleaned, we aren't given a lot uh, in, in the way, by the way, of ideology for this uh, the sedition, as you, as you correctly guessed. Uh, meaning that, I mean, for all we know... They could be the good guys. That is so true. And the family, and this brings me back to what's wrong with the film, I think. This family is so deeply unlikable. 
Eliza Thornberry is probably the character I gravitated towards the most. But I've I got to tell you, child casting, it's a hard thing. They really fucked it up with Will, though. That kid is so deeply unlikable. Holy shit, there is not a redeeming moment of him on stage. It oh. is painful to watch. Holy heck. I would hate to be on the receiving end of those verbal blows. (laughs) Uh, I did not warm to that boy. No. Well, uh, if you've got a problem with them, why don't you say it to his face? Jack Johnson, now 31 years old. Uh, He went to... Jack Johnson? Really? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. He he was born in L... Oh, it's hard to trace him down now. I'd love to see what he looks like as an adult. A different Jack Johnson, obviously. I mean, I didn't didn't hate him with the, the same fire of a thousand suns as you did, but... I mean, I agree that generally speaking, the characters would would t- they were also stale and like there was no everyone was uh, sort of cast into a prototype or like you know a first draft of each character, uh, and so but without any there wasn't any any warmth or maybe the flaws weren't there visible enough or something I don't know what it was. Matt LeBlanc is just a sex pest. That's kind of his whole shtick. He's a sex pest who can as you say kind of fly good but he's put in charge of a ship which by his own admission essentially flies itself so it's a non-important quality except for a couple key moments in the film of course the dad john um kind of the flattest character of them all it's just like hey i'm a science guy and i sort of ignore my family too much but you're supposed to like me heaps it's like well why why do i why would i like you dude you don't give me anything on screen nothing Give me uh, a reason. Save a cat, you know? And then they do save a cat, and then I'm like, that is the worst CGI cat I've ever seen. I wish you hadn't had saved it. Yeah. In 20 years, it would also be fair to say, how far have we come in terms of uh, CGI? Some of the... some of the, I mean, uh, so a bit of a spoiler alert here. We haven't really recounted the plot for you, but uh, Gary Oldman's character, who's... No, I think we have. You get it. You guys the, get it. He's the leader of the terrorist sect. Uh he, no, he's not. He's a mercenary. He's a gun for hire. Oh, he gets he gets paid by them to try and sabotage yeah, 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 the yeah, mission sorry. for the Robinsons. But then he gets double crossed by the sedition who have planted a um a device in his communicator which electrocutes him. And then he sort of goes into a comatose state and ends up aboard the ship while it takes off with the Robinsons on board, trapped in cryogenic freezing chambers, and a robot which he has now reprogrammed to destroy the family and the ship in 16 hours. Stakes laid. Oh, wow. I, I was <laughs> really on another... Uh, to, to be completely honest... To, or not to be completely honest with you, but uh, when the when the I arrived home to start watching the, the film, there, was, uh, there has been since I moved into my new place, which I love here in uh, Brooklyn, New York City... Uh, one corner of my room was sort of uh, the the wood the wooden flooring was rotten. I think it had been beneath some sort of leak previous in a previous oh, life. No. Uh, and so I told the super, which is what we call the superintendent, who's sort of like a body corp. No, not a body corp, but he's in charge of making sure everything goes okay. So he sent around some guys uh, to to do some work, and they were really fucking going for it at that point. Uh, on the tools, it would be fair to say. <laughs> oh, you, so you're in there watching one of the worst films of the late 90s, and they're, they're repairing your floor at the same time. Uh, yeah, and it was an uncomfortable feeling cool. because, you know, I didn't provide any context. Uh, I don't, I, I, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't speak a, a lick of English, and I don't speak a lick of Spanish, which meant that... Um, Pretty much, while they were sort of practically going about fixing a problem in my life, I was actively yeah. watching just yeah. <laughs> an absolute abomination. Uh, look, you're both at work, mate. It's just as simple as I that. I know, but it just doesn't look like it. So uh, the the thing is, though, so he, near the end of the film, is uh, he gets bitten by <laughs> in a plot device borrowed from the good people at uh, <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> He gets bitten by a radioactive spider of some description and winds up uh, sort of in this weird blend of like Darth Maul and uh, mm. Dr. Octopus and Venom, perhaps. Um, and he wears this cloak. But skinny. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you don't see it because sort of originally you just see his face high up above where his body was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when they sort of drop the cloak and you get to see the whole operation that they've been saving this you know the big cgi reveal you'd imagine in 1998 
it was uh that was also one of the the laughs for me i mean i loved it i thought it was so funny yeah i thought it was horrifying and i was like because that was the point where I got, I got into that bit of the film. It's about the three-quarter mark. It's sort of start of the third act. I don't know if that's true. And I was like, okay, I get it. This film isn't for me. It's a, it's a family movie. It's for the kids. And that depiction of him as the skeletal eight-foot spider villain is uh, truly horrifying. Like, I'd be traumatized if I saw that when I was real young. And then I was like, cool. I, I now no longer know who the, who would enjoy this flick at all it gives me nightmares but it oh. was it was the fact that he was so frail and skinny that also for me as an adult watching it, i was like oh fucking i don't know just knock him out at the knees he couldn't take much oh uh, look man you got to see a photo of the guy uh, well, his face is already quite funny i'm i'm trying to find a good a good image of him on uh on Google. oh that's good to share with all the people listening to the podcast good well, investment of time there guy yeah eventually tim you are aware of a little thing called the gosh dang internet, aren't you? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you know, I, I guess it was meant to it was meant to read as scary. But I thought that I mean to look at that and then think of how far we've come by way of CGI in the 20, 20 years since was uh, another satisfying moment, a win for technology. I don't know. Let me <laughs> let me say this though, I was shocked to see an example of bullet time in this film because it came out a full year before the matrix did which is sort of commonly credited as the you know the one who kicked off that whole um effect but they've they've kind of got a version of it in this where they enter a wormhole i think and time uh slows to an almost standstill while the camera rotates around the room yeah uh, I guess what is going on the the trouble is isn't it that you you're, you've said it already the the it's hard to care about the family who we're supposed to be rooting for which means mm. it's hard to care about their journey or story uh i also enjoyed at one point in the movie when uh simultaneously all three female leads are written out of the script uh as the action unfills lest one of them get hurt or <laughs> i don't know what the reasoning is but there's literally like the entire climax of the film they're just cast aside in some <laughs> it's just how we used to make them mate it's how we used to how how we did yarns back in the day it's just how we built them yeah the boy the hey let's let the boys take over for this but eh? we'll we'll make it interesting uh, but it s- turns out none of them were capable on delivering except for the fabulously talented gary oldman who i can confidently say r.i.p who they managed to fuck up with cgi so no one wins unfortunately did you just confidently R.I.P. Gary Oldman? Wait, didn't he die? No, that dude is super alive. I'm pretty sure he won an... <laughs> Wait, who am I thinking of? Oscar Who died like year. last year? Uh, Are you sure? Yeah, I'm 100% sure. Oh my God, who... Oh, oh, do you know what it is? I've seen there's a particular comedy show that our friends put together. Stop trying too to, hard. Stop and trying they have to a kill song. all of these old actors. <laughs> I'm so sorry. They they have a song um, about how sad they'll be when Gary Oldman dies. And I think I have seen that show so many times now. I've seen it about half a dozen times. I've seen them perform no, that song you, so many you're times. You're thinking of. A song that's not about when Gary Oldman dies. It's about when... What is it about? Alan Rickman did die. <laughs> oh, God. It's Alan Rickman. I've confused him for Alan Rickman is what's happened. This explains a lot. This oh, is why I thought he was dead. Yeah. Uh, that's so... Uh, it's it's a wild sort of series of confusions you've made there. Um, not just in who the actors are, but in the subject of the show that you have genuinely seen. Like... Over half a dozen times. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to connect some dots. It's not going well for me. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, it was just... It's what do you... Th- I just checked out. Like, the, the the story's a mess. The tone's a mess. Uh, because of how, how long it's been since the movie was released, all of the impressive visual effects, or what were meant to be impressive visual effects, are a mess. And you're just left watching a few solid actors, you know, uh, toil away with this clunky, you know, nuts and bolts science fiction script. Um, But not well done as well. Not good sci-fi. It's not like good meaty sci-fi where you're actually doing real 
pseudosciencey stuff. It's just gobbledygook, you know, nonsense, wave a magic wand shit. Can we talk about the robot though, guy? Uh, yeah, we can t- we can talk about the robot. Um, so the the robot was an iconic figure of the 1960s show, and they've modelled this robot, thankfully, on him. I say thankfully, it's quite, it sticks out because it's like, well, why would you put three rotating light bulbs inside the he, brain of a modern day uh, machine? You'll be pleased to hear uh, that Dick Tuffeld, uh, the original mm. voice of the robot, reprised his role for this film. That's fucking epic. That's, that, that's a good call. That's a good decision. That's a nice way to try and bank on some nostalgia right there. The, the vocal performance of the robot, as it was in the 1960s show, which I guess this makes more sense because it's the same actor, it's just fucking... It's so campy. It's so big. It's so weird. And in this storyline, Will um, just offhandedly fuses parts of his brain into the robot as well. That, that really threw me for six. They didn't spend any time on that. Will's just like, wow, some of his circuits are fried. So I'm going to restore the missing bits of his personality with bits of my brain. It's fucked. Yeah, that is a pretty insane thing to do. Uh, and so, yeah, because I mean, I guess, you know, the longer we've gone, the more curious we are about downloading or uploading our, our consciousness, you know, into AI or whatever. And here they are sort of skirting around the edges of what is quite a fascinating concept, uh, but to no avail. Let me, let me say this just as a quick warning for anyone listening to this podcast. As curious and interesting as that concept might be, it should never justify you watching Transcendence with Johnny Depp. Fuck me. That is two hours of my life I wish I could take back. Do you know what one I was thinking of when I was talking about it? Mm-hmm. Spike Jones is her. Yeah, it is a great film. Beautiful you color palette. Really beautiful. You got to pick a smaller story, I think. Lost in Space got lost in its own asshole of trying to t- tell this <sighs> epic tale. Dang it, Tim. What? That's pretty good, what? but that's exactly how I wanted to start the podcast. I wanted to say, uh, Lost in Space, you're damn right. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I'm glad that you rerouted the conversation to insert that posthumously. Uh, for our introduction which is now dead <laughs> this this film is lost like I'm sure that that probably came up in a bunch of reviews because it's just like it, it, tra- it, it threw a whole lot of um, big stuff in the pot right so it's very paint by numbers what have we got we've got a father and son relationship where the son is constantly looking for the affection and attention of their father that and is a tale as old as time a powerful narrative but it's also uh put right alongside this will they won't they sexual tension which is kind of concocted because heather graham wants no piece of matt leblanc I, I would, and yeah. joey's just coming on like a skunk i'd like to insert myself here and say uh this is true but the the one that shines through is the the father son like that's what they go back to uh and that is that's the the charisma that they wrangle out of the performers is closer to believable. Like there's no yes. chemistry between Matt LeBlanc and Heather Graham. The idea that she would kiss him at the end, uh, I guess they were just following whatever rules they imagined were in place then. Uh, like that that kiss, you can see it coming from a mile away, but it has no it has no place in the movie. I think that like the, the central hook is that father son relationship story. Would you? And we'll dig into that, but my God, she kisses him once on the cheek because he says, have I like done enough for a kiss now? And she gives him that. And then she says, this one's on credit and proceeds to fucking French kiss the guy in front of her entire, fa- like less than six feet away from her entire family who just watch on an open-mouthed, passionate kiss of their eldest daughter or sister and uh, this this fucking guy who's almost got them killed a bunch of times and persistently is hitting on on the, on Judy. It's just, it's not good, guys. It's not good stuff. It's not a good moment. And it's made all the more uncomfortable by having this weird sort of pseudo-Oedipal complex thing going on because of her uh, physical proximity to her parents and her siblings. It's very strange. I felt very awkward watching it. But it was also at the end of the film, so I was more just furious at, at my time being lost. But you're right. The <clears throat> father and son thread is by far the strongest. It serves uh, a scene which is probably the 
the yeah, I'd say the closest they get to emotional resonance in the film, where there's a time traveling bit where they they meet an old and withered young Will, but he's old now, and he's in the stead of um, a now mutated uh, Doctor Smith, who's who's all spidey up now, who's been looking after him on the planet just long enough so that Will can construct his time machine, and then he can uh, he can jump in there and get back to Earth to invade <laughs> with the. Uh, spiders which is i liked that i want to see that sequel to be honest i think that's a cool idea can i just quickly also say uh yeah the somehow in spite of its runtime the ending felt incredibly abrupt <laughs> fuck yeah they've cut something something else was there right eh? yeah because it's like uh here's you know it's like oh well, can we, is the pressure too much we're gonna make it through the fucking planet or whatever you know hot nonsense they serve up for uh you know uh tension or stakes at the end and then it turns out that the pressure was enough and they make it through and then they're like <laughs> roll credits i think it was one of those situations where they were so confident a sequel was imminent like not just it was going to happen but it was going to happen instantly that they were like yeah that's fine we'll, we'll pick it up in the second one and then it fucking tanked you're darn right it did did you uh, see the financial performance of this film? Is that on your Google box anywhere? Yeah, it outperformed its budget. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah. It cost. What are you going to cost to make, Tim? This film, 98. $48 million. Double it and then take away oh. 16. $80 million. Uh, how much? 80. Yeah. And it returned 136.2. Okay. It's all right. It's all right, isn't it? That's kind of what you want for a, one of these films. You just whack it up, sell some lunch boxes to the kids, make a, uh, a banging hot soundtrack with some late 90s electronic artists that you can sell to 12-year-olds in New Zealand. That's how you get your money back. It's a Hollywood accounting guy. That is where it's they the got Illuminati. Their, that is where they got their money back. Uh, look, it's, it's, it was bad, and I, I've sort of run out of things to say about it, to be completely honest. Yeah. Uh, it is bad. This is a film which we often teeter... Sorry, let me take that again. We often teeter when we watch a film as to whether or not you, our humble listeners, should watch it. You absolutely should not watch this film. There's nothing there for you. It's not bad enough to be interesting. It's not coherent enough to be enjoyable. It's not emotionally resonant enough to elicit any kind of feeling in you. It's just a waste of two hours. And apparently, 80 million US dollars. Well done to everyone for being in it. You got through. You finished a film. I'm proud of you. But I'm more proud of all the other surrounding projects you did. And if I was to pick one, I think Eliza Thornberry is the best. You know, I think the Wild Thornberries is the best attached project to Lost in Space, 1998. It was a good project. Uh, oh, yeah, and about our house. It moves. See... My dad hosts a nature documentary and my mum films it. Oh, and there's Darwin. No, and there's Donnie. We found him. And Darwin, he found us. And between you and me, something amazing happened. And now I can talk to animals. Do, 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 or something like that. I, saw I, I really thought, I thought you were reading that from uh, the internet, but you were freeballing, huh? I remembered it, yeah. I saw the um, the feature-length film at the cinemas. I was a big Nickelodeon kid. They made great content. Such good shows. God, they were excellent. Uh, yeah, look, for hey, me, guy, the guy. movie scores uh, a review of, yeah. why don't you stay in space, you know? Lost in space, <laughs> oh, stay up there, because I don't want you coming hey. back with this malformed disaster. Go ahead. To round off, can I ask you one question, which is if you could change just one thing in the film to improve it, what would you change? Uh, Matt LeBlanc's character, the sort yeah. of gun-ho uh, sort of uh, pilot guy, the war hero pilot, I would have recast him as Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> nice work. Now that sexual chemistry, Lisa Kudrow coming on hot to a Heather Graham in 1998, people aren't going to see that coming. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, <laughs> that's not the only reason I'd recast it, but certainly uh, a, a happy side effect. <laughs> and what about you, Tim? 
I don't know quite how the ages and timelines stack up, but I'd swap out Will Robinson for the kid who played um, Dewey. Uh, what was that? From no, Malcolm what was that middle. movie with? What was that movie with the mouse? Stuart um, Little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kid from Stuart Little. Oh fuck, man! Have you seen a photo of that kid recently? He got jacked. I've not. Oh, someone told me he's incredibly hot these days. It's probably those bloody boning skills. Actually. I didn't tell you he got hot. I told you he got jagged. I don't find muscly guys that sexy. Oh, okay. John, you're, Lip- you're more of a you're more of a brooding. I've been bitten by a space spider and now I'm eight feet tall and have stolen from several different franchises. Kind of a guy. Yeah, John Lipnicky. Uh, and I just quickly like to say, for anyone who like he he's not a bad looking guy now, and he was obviously adorable as the child in both uh, Stuart Little and Jerry Maguire. Uh, but if you want to see just the brutality of Wikipedia, look up Jonathan Lipnicki on his wiki page, and the photo they have as his like thumbnail is a brutal adolescent shot from 2005 <laughs> when the kid was 15, and clearly hormones were just fucking exploding out of every part of his body. Uh, I mean, there are photos like all of us at this age where we just look like you know gawkish idiots, but to put it up on profile in his wiki page is. Uh, it's a funny touch, whoever did it. Probably an ex-partner. Um, I am racing to get there uh, before this ends. Oh, that's not very nice. That hair. God, that is some 2005 hair, isn't it? Yeah, real. Fucking uh, hell. Mince and cheese, too long by two inches. Um, no other time in human history could that hair have existed. He looks like... Uh, Someone one of the, needs to update He looks like photo. an extra from like one of the cool kid groups in the first season of the OC. The hair and the shirt. He's one puka shell necklace away from a hand job at a barbecue on the beach. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode. Uh, a huge shout out to the CBS sitcom uh, Man with a Plan. If you're wondering what Man with a Plan what? is, an old school father encounters the modern challenges of parenting three school aged children, marriage, and running a general contracting business with his brother after a supportive wife returns to work. He also has to deal with his overbearing parents. The series is set in suburban Pittsburgh and features Matt LeBlanc in the lead as Adam Burns, the patriarch of the Burns household. Along with his brother Don, he owns Burns Brothers Construction. Well, I just quickly did Google to check that CBS was in the Disney family, and I can tell you that we are still confidently in the house of mouse so on that wonderful note thank you guy um for making sure we got our sponsorship obligations in there and uh thanks for listening everyone please pick a better movie for us to watch next time this was not fun in any way so um love all of you and uh we'll see you in the next one eh jump on the patreon tell us what to watch see ya lost in space Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.